Hi, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of the View from the Nest podcast, where we talk about all things IndexCoop and uh, crypto in general. I'm AG. As always, I'm joined here by Paul. And we also have uh, a special guest later on who uh, will talk a little bit about his research into uh, Compound. But for now, we'll start with our usual uh, run through the newsletter. So, Paul, what's, uh, what's new at the co-op? What's happening? Yeah, probably the first thing to talk about is the fact that we've got our Metaverse Index community call later on this evening. Uh, the proposal went live this week uh, in the form of a draft index improvement proposal. Pretty much nailed down the methodology. Um, we understand what we're trying to capture with this index. So now it's a case of putting it out to the community, getting feedback, uh, running this question and answer session. The first thing that we'll do then is open up to decision gate one voting where the community can use their index tokens to vote and signal their sentiment for whether they think this index should be included and, and launched by us as the co-op. So obviously myself and, and you, AG, uh, have worked together on this and it's, yeah, it's pretty exciting to see it coming together. It's going to be the first community launched or, or the first um community methodologist product so hopefully we can you know push through all the challenges that we've got with it and, and get it out there yeah it's got to be uh quite exciting for you i i assume you were the ones who first put it forward in october i believe and uh it has been kind of sitting there and, and we iterated on the methodology a little bit in kind of december and early january and and now it's sort of coming to fruition. So how, how do you feel about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel good. Um, I mean, I'm just, I'm just the idiot that proposed it. Like I haven't done anything particularly special. I think it's uh, a case of teamwork makes the dream work. And without your, you know, you coming in to look at it again and saying, well, here's what we could do in terms of the, the liquidity and looking at scaling the weightings by um, not just market cap, but the available liquidity on the market. I think that was, kind of the genius move that actually makes this a possibility again. So, um, yeah, don't, don't sell yourself short. I appreciate your input on it. But yeah, I, I think it's, it's great. You know, it's a, a very popular theme at the moment. There's a lot of um, really good articles around the metaverse and how it's forming up and how all of these technologies are now coming together to allow, allow us to live a more persistent online life effectively and being able to pick up on a product that allows you to trade that, to trade that trend. I think that's going to be really powerful. So that's what's most exciting for me about it. And obviously, we are quite lucky to work with Mason, um, who's an analyst at, at Masari on this, who will sort of provide us with, with, with advice, I guess, on the fundamentals of some of these projects, because it's a full-time job to keep up with everything that's going on with, with the underlying tokens. And he actually covers them uh, on a full-time basis. So that's going to be a massive help for what, what we're trying to do. Yeah, definitely. That'll be a really important part to it. The, the space moves really quickly, whether that's DeFi or NFTs or gaming or whatever it may be. So, yeah, to have somebody whose full-time job it is to actually understand this part of the, the market, looking at the index product and giving us his advice, that's going to be absolutely invaluable for this. Yeah, and uh, we'll be recording the community call, so um, we'll kind of share the link to that. So the next thing, I think, is the meme team. What uh, what the hell is that? Can you give us uh, give us some insights? <laughs> yeah, so this post was um, put on our forum by Big Sky, who's a avid community member, and 
he basically said, should we be funding a team to come up with memes for Index Co-op? And we've done pretty well so far in terms of our memes. We've had the bed meme from Lemonade, which has been shared by the, the crypto Twitter celebrities like DC Investor, um, I think Mike Dudas maybe as well, and a few others. Uh, one of them, who I won't name, even claimed to have invented it himself. So that was that was great. Um, so yeah, it's seen a lot of traction and it's helped us, helped us to spread the message about uh, diversification and holding a portfolio of Bitcoin, Ethereum and DPI and how, how that can be really powerful and allow you to, well, as the meme suggests, relax uh, and be comfortable in bed. So I don't know if you've taken that advice to heart, AG, and whether your portfolio looks something like the bed portfolio. Well, we, we launched the, the bed index on, on token set. So at least a, a small portion of my portfolio is, uh, is sleeping comfortably in bed. I, I obviously have uh, some other Bitcoin, Ethereum, and, and DPI holdings. I think it's, uh, I think that's uh, kind of the ideal portfolio for this this market, this bull run. And that's, I think a lot of people in the space are sort of propagating that idea because it's just it's powerful. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I think the idea here is, can we try and um, you know try and reward people for coming up with this kind of creative content that helps us spread messages like that about our forthcoming products and about how you know the the impact that our current products can have and it, it's quite a modern move um, there's plenty of influencers who make a living out of purely just spreading messages like this through through the power of memes i mean look at the chainlink army for example yeah it's uh it's a similar narrative to metaverse right like cuz metaverse is sort of living our life and and working online right and this sort of relates right because it's sort of earning a living online through something that 10 years ago wasn't even a thing that's like a meta metaverse then so that's that can be our next product <laughs> uh yes the the meme the meme nfts yeah i think that's that's going to be big all right let's let's move on to the next uh, subject what uh, what's next what do we have yeah, so staying in the online realm, um, there was, and again, actually, this is a Big Sky proposal, so talking about upgrading the website, and he's pulled together a team of our most creative and engaged um, like content and uh, web designers, all, and he's pulled them together. We're looking now at can we improve the website. It's, it's not a bad website. Um, I think it's just struggled a little bit to keep up with how quickly we've grown, so there's been bolt-ons added to it over time but there's a bit of room to harmonize all of that and possibly use uh, the color schemes and the designs and, and some new logos to just freshen that all up and, and pull it together. Yeah, and I think uh, we've also been doing a fair amount of work on the analytics side, right? Trying to understand how people interact with our website and what drives them there and how do they, like what is the user journey through through the website? So I think that will help quite a bit in, in terms of designing the web the website that's optimized for for the user journey. Yeah, definitely. Is there any light that you can shed on that? I think that's that's something that you've been keen to to look at, isn't it? I think Devon is kind of leading the Google Analytics and website analytics project. And uh, we've obviously I think have set up a decent tracking and analytics infrastructure now. The question is, do we have enough data 
already to make some of these design decisions. And um, I'm not sure what the answer is, but my guess is that there is still not enough data, right? We should probably try to get analytics for a couple more weeks or a couple months um, to make informed decisions. Yeah, that sounds like a sensible approach. But uh, anyway, yeah, I think uh, we're definitely looking forward to a website redesign and uh, hopefully we can make it in a very informed and analytical way that's optimized for for the user journey. Yeah, so on the subject of design, uh, Michael from CoinShares was kind enough to drop in and and, uh, share with everybody the CGI logo, which if you have a look at our newsletter, you'll see it in there. I tried to use some some clever words to describe it. I said it was a Bitcoin orange mixed with a rich gold hue and with a simple and recognizable CoinShares logo stamped into the center. So I've, I've done my best to, to try and be arty and um, describe the logo there. I think you've done a good job. And <laughs> we've had uh, quite a lot of community members uh, playing around with with this logo and trying to adjusted for different gradients, different colors, trying to incorporate the Ethereum color scheme in there, which I think you did quite nicely with a frame around. <laughs> yeah, nobody um, nobody but, seemed to like it, though. Nobody reacted to it. So I, I just kept my mouth shut after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought it was a good take, but um, I'm not sure how much room for improvement or, or community involvement there is on that particular decision when it comes to the logo. I personally think that the CoinShares logo looks great and uh, really looking forward to getting that product out into the market. Yeah, definitely. So that that brings us quite nicely onto uh, the last point in the newsletter, which is the orders of magnitude of growth that we've seen around DPI. Yeah, it's a guy in the community called Mr. Medilla, and he Ah. was inspired by the, there's a Twitter account called Documenting Bitcoin which posts about interesting stories or facts and figures relating to Bitcoin and and its growth over the years. And so he's kicked off documenting DPI, which has a view to do the same thing. Which is interesting because, like you said, there is documenting Bitcoin, but there is no documenting Ethereum. And now we have documenting DPI, pushing, pushing the DeFi and Ethereum community there. Yeah. Yeah, we're, our Twitter game is strong on this one. <laughs> All right, so let's have a look at this tweet. Uh, basically, it shows that when DPI launched, obviously we had zero market cap and no volume. And on February 3rd, we exceeded 100 million in market cap. And I think the all-time high is probably around 120 or so. So that's quite significant growth especially in the space that really wasn't there before, right? Like there were, uh, there were some index products, but the space really hasn't taken off until I would say probably November or December when we started to see various products from PyDAO and PowerPool coming online uh, with a couple of their indices in, in December. So that's, that's quite significant growth. And, and in fact, the last months alone, so from January 3rd to February 3rd, the market cap grew uh, 4x, right? From 25 million to 100 million, which is something we talked about in the, the monthly update. If you look at the performance of DPI over the last three months, it's up more than 400%, outperforming both Bitcoin and Ethereum by a fair margin. 
So that's sort of on on the market cap side, and I think there were also some developments on in terms of volume. If you want to cover that, yes. So on the sixth of February, uh, DPI did ten million dollars worth of volume on Uniswap within twenty four hours. So I mean, you look that's higher than its total market cap was after a month, like after launch. So it's got so big now that it's trading like much more than its market cap was even just two or three months ago, which is just incredible levels of growth. I mean, on the first, the tweet that you described about documenting the market cap growth, if somebody said to me, define product market fit, I would just show them that tweet. Like it just shows, obviously you've got a mixture of growth in terms of the value of the underlying tokens, but we're seeing our holder base go up. We're seeing them increase their exposure to DPI over time. So all of the uh, all of the metrics that we would look at for you know product market fit and uh, are all ticking up in the right direction. So I just think it's it's great to see and yeah it it shows that we've done the right thing by focusing on DPI to start with as our flagship product. Uh, absolutely, and I think the uh, the interesting stat as well, uh, if we want to look at it, over the last couple of days. Um, our Loopring pool, right? So our L2 liquidity mining pool on Loopring had, I think, pretty close to four million in um, in funds. And if you look at the ratio of volume to AUM in that pool, it was actually higher than in Uniswap and SushiSwap, right? So the trading volume as percent of total liquidity was actually higher. So the capital efficiency and, and the use of the pool actually more effective on Loopring, which is quite interesting if you think about it. I think as DPI and Ethereum stage a bit of a run, and especially the, the DeFi space as a whole, we've seen higher transaction costs and we've seen more and more people moving to to L2 and, and to Loopring specifically and actually trading DPI on L2. And obviously, part of it is the index rewards, which sort of ballooned with the growth in the index price. But it's an interesting, it's an interesting metric. It's an interesting stat to to look at. Yeah, definitely. I think because it supports the theory that um, when people talk about like how full Ethereum is, but people are still willing to pay for it, and it's like uh, increasing the block size would be like adding another lane to the motorway, but adding an L two is like adding a whole another road alongside of it. So it shows there that because we've seen this huge like volume on layer two, when you reduce the gas fees and you unlock the potential for smaller holders to, tr- to trade and to interact with these different um, projects and tokens, the demand is still there. So I think that's really exciting for the space as a whole because it shows once you, you know, once you unlock that potential, the demand just it doesn't stay flat. It, it increases to like fill fill the the room effectively. And I've yeah. got a. I've got to congratulate anybody that moved across to L2 because you made the right decision, I think, with the, the way the gas fees have gone over the last two weeks. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Should we move on to our guest speaker? Um, so we launched the investment committee a, a couple of weeks ago, maybe two or three weeks ago. And uh, the goal was to kind of look at the underlying projects, look at their governance and, and publish some of the investment content, educational content through our Substack. And uh, we've published a few things, but nothing token specific yet. And so this week we are releasing our first 
token-specific report on a compound, and we wanted to bring on one of the community members who uh, did that research and who wrote the report. So I'd like to sort of welcome Lavi to to the podcast and look forward to talking to him about uh, his research and his experience. Um, Lavi, welcome. How are you doing? Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you for having me. Great to be here as a guest on the podcast. I'm doing very well. Thank you. So um, tell us, how, how was your experience doing research on a token from scratch, right? Like token, token research and token valuations are still yes. relatively unknown, relatively new thing. Uh, yeah. So how, how did you, um, how was that experience? Yeah, you're right. There's no like um, sort of blueprint on, on how to, to go up on this. So I also still figuring out it for myself, like what is the best approach to go through this. Uh, for now, I chose kind of a, an iterative uh, approach. Um, so I, I basically started laying out the structure for myself where I decided um, what do I want to cover. And obviously, I also uh, invited the rest of the investment committee to judge on what should we cover and what not. And so it was kind of, uh, again, an, iter an iterative uh, way to get on uh, the, the scope of the article. Um, so in the end, we kind of um, agreed to include the how does it work, uh, a brief history of, of Compound or of the, the protocol itself, uh, looking at, a bit into the past, where does it stand right now, and some uh, some risks as well that I wanted to cover. And what, what I think what helped a lot uh, with this start, basically, was that I was also, from the beginning, I was aware what I don't want to cover, right? Because as, as you all know, uh, there are many rabbit holes in DeFi, and uh, the space is so vast, and it's, it's really difficult to not get distracted. So like having a fixed scope and a, a sort of a knowing what you don't want to cover helps a lot in to, to first uh, begin with the, with this article. And then from there on, it was just basic, um, I would say standard desktop research, collecting um, information and so and from different sources. Um, so I went to Compound directly, of course. They have a lot of valuable information on their website. I also went to a lot of uh, third-party um, data providers. For instance, uh, Messari is one, or Dune Analytics. Uh, went to a couple of news pages. I obviously went on YouTube and on social media, Twitter and stuff like that. So it's kind of a basic desktop research, getting all the uh, information collected uh, and then starting to just standard uh, article writing, getting out of getting what you want out of that information. So did you find that once you wrote the article, once you've conducted research, that it's sort of the process itself aligned with what you thought it was going to look like, or did you find it to be more challenging, easier? How how did you how did you see that? Yeah, I would say not so much the process or the structure of the process that aligned pretty much with what I expected. Uh, but what I underestimated was the time and effort that goes into writing such an article. So I definitely thought that I would be faster, uh, and in the end, I took me a bit more time than, than I was hoping for at the beginning. So uh, that was a good learning for the next article. Um, although I'm, I'm hoping, of course, that it gets uh, I get faster and faster with, with every 
um, with every publication that we do. And another point that surprised me um, also was like this, the, the support that I received during writing the article, which was amazing and really, really encouraging to keep going. Um, when, whenever I reached out to someone asking a question or so, then I got immediate support and feedback most of the time. So that was really great. Great experience. Cool. So it must have been quite enjoyable to uh, like get involved with the community. Um, so you, have you learned more about how the community works, not just how the compound, the protocol works? Yeah, I did get involved with the community a little bit. Um, however, not as much as I as I planned to, to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I did reach out to the community um, uh, on the compound community on Discord and on the forum as well. However, I did not get... Um, as much um, in contact with them as I wanted to. But, but it was very surprising that I got feedback from the very top. So Robert Leshner himself read my article um, and provided his opinion, which I think was quite good. He uh, seemed that he liked what I wrote. Uh, so that was quite a surprise, a positive one. Um, other than that, uh, there, was, there were a few other uh, community members or people that are close to the community who would uh, provide their feedback? Um, so yeah, I, I think it was a, was a good in, good first interaction with the compile community. However, that there's definitely room for for improvement here, also from my side, to go and dig deeper into their forums and their Discord. And that's definitely something that we're going to continue to do. I think as as an investment committee and you as an analyst, uh, just from the meta yeah. governance perspective as well, um, we. We want to kind of be immersed in these communities and understand what's happening from from the governance perspective, as it, it would help us, you know, would um, be kind of responsible token holders through through DPI and through through other index products. Uh, so let's uh, let's jump into compound the the protocol. After you've you've done all that research, what's what's your take on the protocol? Um, what are kind of the the key takeaways for you? Uh, from from all that yeah so i i knew the protocol from before um but still it was very um very interesting for myself to discover uh, more uh, on the like the technical side behind it how it how it works also on the community side um in general i would just i think it's a great project i mean it's one of the pioneering projects in many things in DeFi. It was the first uh, lending protocol or the, fir the first uh, automated money market. Um, it also kind of started the yield farming craze in summer 2020 uh, by giving out the compound token as a liquidity incentive. So very um, forward thinking and innovative protocol that I really like. Personally, I think what I like most is the user interface that they created. It's just so simple and, and kind of elegant as well. And I really like to, to interact with it. And I think this makes it also easy or like a kind of a, a first go-to page for, for many people new to DeFi who want to understand a bit more and uh, about this, this, how this system works. I think Combine is a great way to start. So I would encourage uh, potential listeners that are not so deep into DeFi yet to go and take a look. Um, I think it is very very well done and there's also a lot of information on the the website so it's easy to get uh, like a, an overview of the total compound market with all the interest rates the collateral factor the whole volume of the market etc 
like the whole uh, market data is is displayed quite nicely. So in general, yeah, I, I really like the product. So full disclosure here, I'm also using it. Um, I, I don't want to comment on like the team or the community yet. I, I think there I have to do a bit more research. So for now, I stick with uh, uh, commenting on the on the the product itself. Okay, perhaps you can tell us a little bit about something that I'm sure everybody's eager to hear about, which is the tokenomics and kind of the business model about of, of Comp and how does Compound look to accrue value? Yes, absolutely, sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is quite something that is talked about in, in recent times a lot. Uh, we have seen uh, similar projects like Aave starting to generate uh, income via a fee-based uh, model, Curve, I think, does similar uh, has a similar value capture mechanism. Index, of course, we, we do that as well. Compound is a bit different uh, in that sense. Um, so they still don't have a value capturing mechanism like a fee in place at this time. Um, what they do, though, that I think from the mechanism perspective comes quite close to a fee, is that they have a, a reserve pool uh, that collects some money that is paid from the interest rate. So whenever I borrow money from Compound, I pay an interest rate, of course, and the fixed percentage of that, of this interest rate is put into a reserve pool. Now, this at the first point or at the first view might, might kind of look like an income, but it's actually the purpose of the reserve pool that I would say it's not, it's not an income because the purpose of the pool is to, to work as a backstop or like a, a safety measure. In, in case the a borrower is defaulting and cannot uh, repay his his collateral, so then then this this reserve comes into play, and I I would therefore not um, put it into the income um, um, section. Um, what you can do with Compound though is you can also lend Compound the token itself on Compound the protocol. So this would be another way then to generate income because you get paid fees, um, you get paid interest, and you also earn more more Compound when doing so. Okay, I understand. And if we look at the like the competitive space that is money markets, obviously Compound could be compared to Aave. And Aave recently had a proposal on their forum to introduce incentives because that's not something they've done. Whereas that's pretty much how Compound led with their comp token and, and you know giving that out to both lenders and, and borrowers. So how do you see the if Aave were to induce, uh, introduce incentives, how do you see that affecting the competition between those two protocols? Yeah, so uh, so this is still hypothetically, right? The proposal just came out. So, um, But if we assume that Aave would in, indeed um, introduce liquidity mining, I mean, the obvious consequence from this would be an inflow of capital to Aave, um, probably even widening the distance in total value locked between the two uh, protocols, where um, Aave is currently leading on the lending side, but we also have to—I think—we also have to think about the borrowing side, which is actually the the more interesting part for the protocol itself, because there, this is the the side where the, the interest is generated or paid to the lenders, right? And on that side, Compound is clearly leading between the two by a high margin, actually. So, I think the next logical thinking step would then be what happens if if Aave also incentivizes the borrowing side. So um, similar to, to what Compound does at this time. And I could see that some Compound capital would flow into Aave. I mean, it's not it's not certain yet. This all depends on which token do the users um, like more or which, which are they better off holding. 
at that time, since Aave already has some sort of an income mechanism where you can actually earn uh, something by staking it, we could argue that Aave is the more uh, favorable token in terms of like financial um, of the financial aspect because to comp token is still just a governance token, not really getting any income um, paid out to comp holders. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, if Aave actually does that, I think the consequence could be that there is some um, outflow from comp to Aave because the Aave token is is at this time is maybe a bit more attractive. Cool. It was really good to hear your thoughts on that and uh, the way that you you broke it down. Um, yeah, it's not something that I've looked at in in depth, so it was good to hear about the way that the incentives are different between borrowing and lending. So actually, they're competing on two different uh, two different factors there. Really, um, yep. I know that one thing Compound have launched is is the Comp Chain. Do you have a take on that and how that maybe acts as a bit of defensibility against anything that Arve may bring out in the future? Yeah, uh, that is uh, still a bit hard to foresee. I mean, also here, the announcement is quite new. Uh, I think it came out in December. And the most information that we have so far is, is based on the white paper that was uh, released. And this is a rather short description of, of how it will work. However, so my first impression of this compound chain was uh, somehow a bit uh, that it created a bit of negative sentiment around it, especially in the Ethereum community. I think they were not so happy with this decision uh, at that point, which is understandable uh, because basically one of the biggest and most successful protocols on the Ethereum blockchain has decided to move to its own blockchain. But we have to point out that they are not fully leaving the Ethereum blockchain, right? Uh, Comp token will still continue its function as the governance token. It will remain on the Ethereum blockchain. But the purpose of the chain is to um, to have uh, like an, an independent function between other chains as well. So I think the main reason for doing this from the compound perspective is the scalability reasons, right? Other projects are looking into L2 solutions. Um, compound has decided to create its own chain, which is another way to to approach this. And the second point why they do that is because they can now create uh, interoperability with with other blockchains like Polkadot or Solana. So it is kind of hard to say like what what would be the worst case scenario. I mean, for everybody who has been around since 2016, 17, um, they know that it's some many projects that were like really big at some point are now not here anymore. Um, so I, I don't want to say that. I, I think there is many many um, good points that that can happen. But I think a few risks that we that we that are associated with this uh, new compound chain is maybe this consensus mechanism that they are using that is a proof of authority. So only certain um, authorized uh, kind of uh, entities will be allowed to be part of the uh, of this uh, proof mechanism, right? Um, so it will be interesting to see how this plays out. So, so it's going to be a bit like a permissioned, not a permissionless chain? Yeah, that's how I, I understand it, yes. You need to be authorized to be a validator in the comp chain. That's how it's stated in the white paper. You can get voted in via the comp token. That's how I see it. So it's kind of a permissioned chain then in that sense, yes. I think another concern that that is associated with this new chain is the fragmentation. So liquidity, first of all, right? Then network effect gets fragmented. We might see community fragmentation as well. So in the worst case, this could lead to a fork. Um, we we don't know what will happen. But I, I think there is also many many um, like uh, I would say reasons for a bull case. Like if this all works out, 
then from a pure tokenomic perspective, that could be quite attractive for comp holders as well. So comp token remains the, the governance token, but the protocol itself through the um, intercompatibility with, with other blockchains would be able to attract way more tokens than it can on the Ethereum blockchain, right? And, and another point is, as pointed out in the white paper, Compound would like to attract central bank digital currencies, um, CBDCs. So if that is actually working out for them, um, I think the volume increase would be massive, right? And, and another point that I think can also be very, very valuable for uh, this comp chain is the fact that they want to create another stable coin and they named it cash with all capital letters, a uh, very similar mechanism to, to DAI, uh, to minting DAI on Maker. And I think this is kind of another pillar that could potentially add value to the comp chain. So all in all, I'm kind of torn between the two sides. I, it's, it's really hard to decide how, how, it will, how it will play out, but very interesting to see. Yeah, I think uh, in terms of all the positive reasons that or, or positive cases that you've outlined, the one that interests me the most is the CBDC uh, corporate bank angle, right? So basically allowing central banks and uh, large banks to use compound cha chain as their onboarding onto uh, public blockchains, right? So I think... If if that's their end game and and it works out, I think it could be it could be huge for compound the protocol. But I'm not sure how that would reflect on comp the token. Yes, absolutely, I agree. Yeah, I I think this might be one of the arguments why they decided to go with a proof of authority blockchain so that they can um, attract central banks, for instance, or other entities um, that work in a similar area to become one of the validators of the blockchain so that they could, you know, ha have sort of their separate uh, chain that is not visible to everybody, but then they can um, work with uh, public blockchains as well via the comp chain on, um, um, I think, Starports is what they call it, which is kind of the gateway to the blockchain of comp and also out of comp to others like Ethereum or Polkadot. Cool. Now that's... Uh... That's interesting, and it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how how that plays out. I think I, I would agree with you that community has been a bit split, like the Ethereum community. I think the sentiment was a bit uncertain, like we didn't really know why why they did it. But I guess we're we're getting some clues. Yeah. So, what's your take on on the token itself? Like from from my perspective, it, it sounds like there is no clear value accrual mechanism to the token plus there is this comp chain happening that we, we don't know how that's going to play out uh so that's a bit of on kind of the the negative side but then on the positive side you obviously look at the tvl the borrowing the number of addresses that interact with protocol uh, and all of those are uh, growing quite rapidly and it is one of the largest DeFi protocol. So on that side, you can kind of look at the token and say, okay, maybe there is no value accrual, but I can see the growth in the fundamentals. So maybe once they figure out the value accrual mechanism, it's going to be really powerful. What's what's your overall take on, on the token? Yeah, I mean, you summed it up pretty nice. Um, uh, I think that would also be my view, how I see it. Sort of uh, a token that at this time is not accruing much value, 
but it is still uh, governance tokens to the top one of the top three DeFi projects, right? That has billions uh, in in tokens um, under under its uh, in its vaults. So kind of quite a powerful governance token in that sense. I, I think if I would have to give it a rating or so, I, <laughs> which is uh, always quite hard, I would probably say new, neutral at this point. Um, just also because like at this stage of the market where we are right now, having pretty pretty steep raise um, of the price just uh, just in the in the last few months uh, so I, i'm but i'm really uh, excited to see the roadmap of uh, compound playing out as they are again i would say trying a different route than most of the others which is their own chain versus or compared to most other blockchains that uh, are working on uh, l2 solutions and I have to say, so far, being a bit of the going a bit the innovative way has played out quite well for them. Um, given that they started uh, the liquidity mining craze, uh, that they were one of the first protocols paying interest for your Ethereum, um, and I mean they're not where they are right now for no reason. So I'm still quite bullish on on the protocol itself. I think that's why uh, DPI is a great product, right? Because you can get some exposure to Comp, um, but also a lot of other DeFi tokens. I think Comp is about 8% of the portfolio. So it, it gives you a decent allocation, but uh, you, you don't have to kind of take, um, take a position on, on just one token. You can kind of diversify your exposure. Absolutely, yeah. So what's um, what's what's next? What's next for for your research on on Compound? Uh, we were obviously talking about some some deep dives and and things that we can look into uh, in a bit more detail. What what are some of the things that you want to deep dive into? Yeah, absolutely. So I already uh, was in contact with uh, our other colleague from the investment committee, Matthew, uh, who is currently working on the Ave article. And obviously, this is kind of the next, next logical step we want to do is a co-written co piece comparing the two protocols. So we are already collecting um, um, some inputs and ideas of, of what we want to look at. I think for me, what would be very interesting to see is that uh, some decentralization metrics, like looking at the tokenomics, not just from the value accrual perspective, but also from the allocation or distribution distribution perspective this is something that I, I i just looked at briefly in my current article but i think could be uh, could hold a lot of valuable information about the, the protocol as well uh, secondly i would like to also look a bit more into the financials um, do some uh, quantitative analysis a bit more because this piece that i wrote now is more like a descriptive uh, overview of the whole project and not so much quantitative data uh, so I think this would be interesting to also then compare the two projects. Uh, so this is probably one of the next uh, steps that we want to go. But before we do that, uh, we also want to write our next introduction article, um, which uh, you folks will have to wait and see what it is. Uh, yeah. And before we even do that, I would be really glad if people would read my article and uh, provide their feedback, their inputs. I'm always happy if, uh, if I get something back and, and be able to improve my, my writing or analytic skills or whatever for the next publication. Perfect. Uh, all right. I think uh, that about wraps it up. Lavi, thanks for, for joining us. And uh, definitely we'll try to give your article a big push and cool. get it into as many hands as possible or uh, in front of as many people as possible. And uh, 
Paul, thanks for co-hosting and, and uh, doing this again. And thanks for um, thanks to everyone for tuning in and uh, listening to us. Thank you guys for having me.